Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. I hope that you have heard every episode that this guest has done on beating cancer daily, because I know that I learn so much every time Jackie Bryan shows up to teach us in her fun and compelling way about how to just keep healthier, even if we're going through cancer treatment, just how to really have a life of wellness. And I find it so valuable because I get practical tips on how to improve my health. So welcome to our registered nurse, certified nutrition specialist, whole health educator, Certified Health Coach, Jackie Bryan. Thank you, Saren. It's wonderful to be here with you again. I want to have like horns or something. I feel like I'm so excited every time you come that if I just like had a horn playing just to commemorate that you're back, I'm so excited by this. Now, this topic is interesting to me because I actually have said this before. I don't really drink. But I've had family members who drank probably too much. And I have family members now who just love, love wine. So I'm really curious to hear, is alcohol like the devil of wellness? Or is there a reason for it in our wellness program? Please talk to us. Oh, this is alcohol consumption is probably one of the most common questions I get. And I think it's largely because it's a really big part of a person's social life. A lot of times it's their way to connect and it can be deeply embedded in their culture. And and I think, I don't know about you, but especially a lot of youth see it as something that brings them positive vibes, the college atmosphere, the bar atmosphere, the party atmosphere. But then we also get the attention from the media, right? We've heard it from some media sources that alcohol can have some health benefits. I think most of us are familiar with some of the short-term issues with alcohol, things like injuries and accidents, relationship issues, I think today we're really just focused in on just overall health. One of the things I wanted to start off with was just an understanding of what alcohol is. And I think it's important for us to understand what alcohol is and actually what it's doing inside of our body in order to wrap our arms around some of the health issues related to it. I'm really excited about that because I know my grandfather who lived to 100 swore that taking a shot of blackberry brandy was <laughs> was what kept him going to a hundred. So I would love to hear what this does. Oh, I think that's a great story. My grandfather, who was a surgeon in Boston, lived to 101 and never had a drink in his life. So I think that we're going to hear lots of different stories about people's relationship to alcohol. 
Alcohol is a it's ethyl alcohol. It's a chemical substance. And, and we find it in the things that we know of as alcoholic beverages, things like beer and hard cider, malt liquors, wine, and even distilled spirits. It's produced by the fermentation of sugars, and it starts with yeast. We also find it in other things besides the, the things that we drink for alcoholic beverages. We, we find it in mouthwash, some cough syrups, uh, even vanilla extract. So it's actually sprinkled through our lives in, in different ways. But for what we're talking about today, we're really talking about drinking uh, as it as it pertains to these alcoholic beverages that we're talking about. What I would love to share is just how the body actually processes alcohol. As a functional nutritionist, we look at how food meets physiology, right? So you eat something and what's actually going to happen inside of the body. But when you drink alcohol, about 20% of the alcohol is really rapidly absorbed in the stomach. And alcohol is an irritant, so it can irritate the stomach lining. And this is where someone would start seeing a, a rise in their blood alcohol level. And then 80% of alcohol is absorbed in the small intestine. That's that 22 feet of intestine that's coiled up inside of you. And again, this may cause inflammation there and, and also raise alcohol levels. I'm just thinking back to when I was on so much chemotherapy. I don't think my stomach could have tolerated being irritated anymore that it was irritated by all that chemo. Right, right. I mean, I think when I was in chemotherapy as well, I had a hard time eating and, and drinking anything. So it might be a time that someone is craving alcohol after chemo or before chemo or, or maybe not at all. Uh, but I think it's, again, just like any other food or substance that we have in our body, it's important to understand like what actually happens. Once, once that alcohol gets absorbed into that small intestine, it gets directed to the liver. And the liver is truly the most underappreciated overworked organ in our body. It's got over like 400 body functions. And what happens is when the alcohol gets directed to the liver, it gets converted into acetaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen. And that common sense would tell us that if it's being converted into a carcinogen, then that's probably not a good thing. And then it gets converted back into a less active product called acetate. An interesting thing to think about is that our livers, not just mine and, and yours, Saren, but, but everyone's liver can only metabolize about one drink per an hour. And people do push this to the limit. And I'm sure that's not an uncommon thing. But if they are pushing past that one drink per an hour, the alcohol that's not metabolized actually gets recirculated to the brain. And that's where it starts causing some impairment, loss of our ability to control our behavior, coordination, all of the things that we remember uh, some of our drunken friends and family <laughs> members have done in the past. Okay, so I was sitting with a young woman who was drinking and I said, are you sure you haven't had enough? And she said, oh no, it's fine because for every glass of alcohol that I'm having, I'm having a glass of water. Well, and, and she's thinking it's it's probably diluting it uh, and it dilutes it a little bit but not to the extent that she's she's hoping, or at least what she's telling herself. It's, it's interesting about alcohol is that so many of us think that it's just going to spike our blood sugar when we drink, and it, it actually does initially. And if for those of you that know me, 
I'm big on talking about blood sugar balance because it's sort of the ace in the house of cards when it comes to balancing many of the hormones in our endocrine system. But alcohol does spike your sugar initially, but the overall effect is actually a drop in blood sugar, right? So you're going to have people spiking high, spiking low. That's going to affect their moods. Uh, there are some people, not not so much the water as that young lady you were talking about, but eating something with alcohol can be somewhat helpful. But again, we're going to talk about some of the guidelines and maybe some, you know, just how much a person should be drinking based on their gender and activity and all that kind of stuff. That's really good because I was just thinking how many people were going to go, boy, Jackie and Saren are buzzkills. I'm not going to continue listening, but we're actually going to share with you how you can do this in a moderate way and and have the blood sugar spike the least amount, I'm sure. Right, Jackie? Yes. Yes, for sure. And I, I do think when I work with my clients, they, they're cringing as we're talking about alcohol. And my job is to to inform people, right? Let them know what the science says, what's actually happening. It's important for everybody to, to remember that they are unique, they are different. And so what their needs are and what their body can tolerate is going to be different than, than other people. But there are health issues. There are issues that can be associated with drinking alcohol. And, and a lot of this information I'm sharing with you is from the National Institutes of Health and also from the Centers for Disease Control, all science-based, evidence-based information. I'm not just making this stuff up about alcohol. One thing that we can share is that drinking too much on a single occasion or over a period of time can take a serious toll on someone's health. And so I'm sort of saying two different things in that sentence. One, I'm talking a little bit about binge drinking, which I'm going to talk more about in a second. And then I'm talking about someone that just consistently drinks a, a significant amount over a period of time. And so I thought I would start from the head down in terms of the impact it has on our body. I'm going to guess that the impact on the brain is no surprise to people because alcohol actually interferes with our brain's ability to communicate on certain pathways. And this is something that can lead to a change in our moods, the way we behave. There's a definitely an impact on neurological effects, right? So we see people that are longtime drinkers that have issues with Alzheimer's and dementia. There is some information about the connection between alcohol and heart health. If someone's drinking over a longer period of time, and if they have episodes of binge drinking, just a single occasion of binge drinking can damage the heart. And I think that's a really important message. And I can even say it again, a single occasion of overindulgence in alcohol can cause damage to the heart. And and what damage are we talking about? Things like cardiomyopathy, which is kind of a floppy heart, uh, stretching and drooping of the heart muscle. It basically means it can't perform the way that, that it's supposed to. I was a open heart nurse. And one of the things when we would look inside someone's chest, the heart of somebody with cardiomyopathy looks very different than, than the heart of someone that is, say, an athlete or, or has a healthy heart. And then arrhythmias, That's those are rhythms that are not helpful, things that are sometimes not compatible with life, things like uh, VTAC or even ones that are problematic like AFib, a flutter. 
And then people also deal with strokes and, and high blood pressure. So there's a lot of things that encompass issues with the heart. And depending upon your genetic makeup, that will determine what you end up dealing with. And so it is a risk, right? It's it's a risk to to drink and to consume and overconsume or drink for long periods of time. But that's binge drinking in the sense of that would be somebody who either doesn't drink all of a sudden just pounding them down or somebody who does drink going way beyond what they would normally do. That's like the biggest extreme. What about like everyday drinking, the toll that takes? Well, that that actually falls into the same category, right? So the binge drinking, a lot of times we see with the young college students, they go off to school, they've not really had experience with drinking and all of a sudden they go a little crazy and then they end up in the emergency room with maybe an arrhythmia or dehydration or something along that lines. But then there's those people that have been drinking for longer periods of time and and maybe their organs were able to keep up <laughs> at first, but then that prolonged use or abuse of alcohol can lead to some of the damage with the heart. The liver is something that is significantly impacted by our drinking. And so heavy drinking uh, can lead to a variety of problems that inflame the liver. And those are things like stetosis, which is that fatty liver. And we're hearing more and more about fatty liver disease. There's there's non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is different than what we're talking about. We're talking about alcoholic fatty liver disease, but there's also alcoholic hepatitis, which is inflammation of the liver that's caused by drinking and fibrosis and cirrhosis. And I think that liver damage is one of the things that many people think about when they think about alcohol abuse, right? Oh, they're going to get cirrhosis or they're going to get some sort of a, a liver damage from alcohol, but that's not, that's not the only organ that is impacted. There's, there's many other organs that are impacted as well. The bulbous red nose that people have long associated with alcoholism. Is that real? Is, does that really happen to your nose? It is. Yeah. We think about different, I'm not going to say any names, but there are some stars that get that. I think they're called spider angiomas. They get little bright red sort of flush appearance. Uh, Some of the Irish are known to have that (laughs) because of their fair skin, uh, superficial veins, but oftentimes alcohol will dilate the vessels and make them appear more prominent than they are. And that can lead to some of those. So yeah, those, those are sometimes telltale signs that somebody may be a drinker, right? Not always. So I don't want you all like (laughs) zeroing in on those people that may have red noses, right? Because we don't, we don't want to do that. But just know there are certain traits that you'll see in people. Another organ that gets affected significantly from alcohol is the pancreas. And just to go back to anatomy a little bit, your your pancreas is the the organ that responds to the rise in blood sugar. Uh, And so say you eat a bagel and your blood sugar rises, the pancreas sends out insulin to help escort the glucose into the cells to give you the energy that you need. But the pancreas, when we drink alcohol, actually produces toxic substances that can lead to pancreatitis. And pancreatitis is basically dangerous inflammation in the pancreas. So painful. I know people who have had that. I know animals that have had it, dogs, and it's excruciating. It is. It is pancreatitis. Anything with an itis at the end of it, I-T-I-S, is inflammation. And so 
pancreatitis is one that is when we get that swelling of the blood vessels in the pancreas and it prevents proper digestion. And as, as you mentioned, there's there's some real pain with that. I think the thing as Saren, you're a many year cancer survivor, I'm a 20 year cancer survivor that we would be concerned about is that there is an impact on our immune function. Right. So, so for those people, especially that have had cancer or are trying to prevent cancer or have a significant familial history of cancer, drinking too much can and will most likely weaken your immune system. And it makes your body a much easier target for disease. It's pretty well known that the chronic drinkers are going to be more liable to contract certain diseases like pneumonia. TB, other types of things, and we're just leaving ourselves vulnerable. So one statistic that I saw that was kind of interesting is that drinking on a single occasion, that kind of binge drinking, slows your body's ability to ward off infections for up to 24 hours after you get drunk. Whoa, that's pretty significant. That is significant. It also causes you to make bad social decisions a lot of the time. Yeah. We could spend days on this topic, right? So we could talk about accidents and or behaviors and all, all of those things. But we all hear those stories of the people that have their beer goggles on when they're out. <laughs> they're making not the best decisions. I became interested in learning about this. I've never really been a big drinker. After I was diagnosed with cancer, I really wanted to understand what is the potential connection between cancer and alcohol. And, and according to the National Cancer Institute, there is a strong scientific consensus that alcohol drinking can cause several types of cancers and that the patterns have been established between specific types of cancers. And, and these cancers are the, the head and the neck cancers, esophageal cancer, liver cancer, which kind of makes sense, but even breast cancer. And this, this was, I was curious about this as well, that, that studies have found that there's an increased risk of breast cancer in women that have an increased alcohol intake. And that those people that consume one drink per day have a five to 9% higher chance of developing breast cancer than a woman that didn't drink at all. I mean, that's pretty significant. I was also thinking about parental drinkers who are pregnant and drink in their pregnancy and then have kids. I wonder because my mom, who's deceased, was a really big drinker and she drank through her pregnancy. So I was wondering if that just passed down some way because I had cancer young. Clearly, pregnant women should not be drinking. I think a long time ago, they said maybe one drink was fine, but I think they've since kind of poo-pooed that recommendation. There are diagnoses of fetal alcohol syndrome for, for babies that are born to women that have, have been consuming alcohol. I'm not sure of the long-term effects in terms of just drinking through and having a normal baby at birth. And then what is the baby's potential risk of, of cancer? I, I can't think that it's a good thing. I can tell you that when I was studying to be a teacher in special education, they showed us brain comparisons and brains of babies and then children as they're developing, whose parents drank in pregnancy. The brains were dehydrated looking. They were smaller. They were mm -hmm. less healthy looking lobes. It was pretty shocking what the it, lobes look like. But doesn't it make sense? It, it makes sense to me. I mean, we we just talked about the carcinogens that are that are being broken down in our liver and it makes sense, right? I love to talk with people about 
eliminating the things that are kind of pissing off your body. <laughs> this is one of them. Another cancer that's connected to alcohol consumption is colon rectal cancer. And that's something that we're seeing a, a higher increase in a younger population. And we're not fully sure that we understand why, but we're really starting to see some of those connections in younger people. So it's it's definitely something that they should be paying attention to. The notable things about the connection between alcohol consumption and cancer is that the more a person drinks regularly over time, the higher the risk of developing an alcohol-associated cancer, which are the ones we just talked about. And this actually could be dose-dependent. And that means that, that those that have no more than one drink per day and people who binge drink, and binge drinking, we're calling those that consume four or more drinks for women a day and five or more drinks for men in one sitting. And these have a modest increase of cancer. And so the more alcohol consumed, the greater the risk of cancer they're seeing, at least from some of the research that I found on NIH and on CDC. So thank you, Jackie, Brian. And if you would like to contact Jackie and get to know all about her, go to the Comedy Cures Foundation and write to us or record a message and we will send you a whole signature. And you can also find Jackie online at JackieBryan.com. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to part one of Distilling the Truth About Cancer and Alcohol with special cancer expert Jackie Bryan. Join Saren tomorrow for part two of this special cancer expert series. If you loved today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to comedycures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.